Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Gertnibblink. I'm the creator of Apples and Genos, originator of the Zero-G Draft Strategy, and contributor to Yahoo Fantasy. In this podcast, Blake and I are going to talk about the biggest hot shots and have-nots of the season so far. Let's hit it. Now, of course, I have your friend and my best friend, Blake Creamer, here with me. Blake, how are we feeling tonight? Buddy, I was feeling kind of down. I mean, we were talking a little bit about our fantasy teams and having a little, you know, pre-show rant, you know, getting getting out the, the yuckies and bringing in the goods, right? And that right there is what I need, Nate. You know I like that. Uh, buddy, um, we actually did something fun today. Uh, you know, well, first off, I'll, t- I'll talk about that, but... Um, do you ever get when your fantasy teams are losing? Does it ever affect your mood at home? Like, are you just like a dink at home sometimes? And your wife's <laughs> like, what's your problem? And you're like, ah, freaking guy, you know, he's not getting me any points. Like, I don't know. Has that ever happened to you, Nate? Um, as much as I would love to claim that fantasy has never impacted my mood whatsoever, uh, that would be completely untrue. I care about this way more than I care to admit. Although I don't think that's going to be a surprise for anybody listening to this right now, to be yeah, honest with you. You know what? I'm so glad I got you, man, because I know you know what I'm talking about. So today we actually <laughs> did something really fun out here where I live in Vancouver Island. Um, there's this there's this river in, I live in a place called Souk, and there's salmon that spawn up here. Like at this time of year, they go up the river and, you know, they spawn, they lay their eggs or whatever. And we went up there and we did a little hike through there um, with the kids. It was insane. There was hundreds of salmon like flopping around. Like I've never seen anything like that before. So that kind of, that kind of took the sting out a little bit, but then, you know, I was feeling good when I got home and then I checked the scores and I was like, it's, it's terrible. I need some of those salmon. I need a huge aquarium in my house. I think that that's something I might, I might noodle on that. I'm going to think about that anyway. Sorry, long-winded answer. I'm doing well. <laughs> Thank you for asking, Nate. Only on the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast do you get salmon spawn rushes. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Before yeah. we get into the news and notes. Uh, yeah, I got Austin Matthews in Kikuffle yesterday. So, yeah, I'm going to lose that one. Take me to 2-2 two and two after I started out 2-0. and oh, So that doesn't feel too good, but... Uh, we're back in it. I'm excited about the week of streaming that we've got up ahead, and I am also excited about some of these news and notes that we've got. So let's get into that. Off the top, we've got Alex Kaloran back in the house. He is skating on line three, currently with Adam Henrique and Jakob Silverberg in game that's going on while we're recording right now. Haven't seen any power play time for Anaheim yet, so I'm not sure how he's factoring in there or not factoring in there uh, but we'll obviously probably have a better idea of that once this game is concluded jared spurgeon is practicing the thought is that he may have a chance to return for the new york road trip tuesday or thursday they play the islanders and the rangers this week to start the week so check that out dylan cousins is day-to-day still no update after he missed the game on saturday against the leafs Igor Shosturkin is also day-to-day, but Louis Domingue was reassigned to Hartford, so reading between the lines there, I'd assume that Igor Shosturkin is good to go. Jack Hughes is week-to-week with his upper body injury. 
Um, does sound like it could have been a lot worse, and he's currently receiving care back in New Jersey. We'll obviously, hopefully, get more good news as this progresses, but you do have to plan to be without Jack Hughes for a while. Some more news. Goudreau got benched in the game the other night for Columbus in the third period. Basically, um, basically almost all of the third period, uh, he was completely benched. And it was a spot where they really could have used some scoring. So, you know, the coach meant business on that. Uh, I don't know about you, Blake, but I'm not really too worried about this, to be honest with you. Uh, I see it as kind of a one-off. Coaches will use these tactics, but Goudreau's numbers don't look bad. Like, it doesn't seem like he's dogging it or anything like that. Maybe he had a bad night and the coach wanted to make an example. These things happen. Um, I'm not reading into it more than a one-game um incident at this point yeah i uh, i talked about him on the last buy low show he's still a buy low obviously like now he's yep. a mega buy low right put out some feelers this guy can be gotten his numbers are, are decent actually and i think columbus is obviously they're underachieving right but they're getting some good goaltending obviously it's a new coach new system all that stuff but yeah i i like uh johnny gaudreau also there was something weird too like he he wasn't able to travel with the team prior to the game and then he he got himself there somehow so there could be something going on personally with uh, Johnny Gaudreau as well. So, you know, this could just be a little valley, but I think he's going to peak again soon. For sure. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane having a hearing or did have a hearing, I should say, for intent to injure on Jared McCann. Cross-checked him in the back of the head while he was lying face down on the ice. It was, yeah, completely idiotic move. I think you, I don't think he was trying to get him in the back of the head watching the replay. He was kind of like turning and spinning regardless, like just don't cross check a player who's lying face down on the ice <laughs> and you won't have this issue. So he got suspended one game, which is honestly the lowest possible suspension that I thought was possible based on the play and what happened. So Mangiapani, I'll miss a game. Uh, Matthew Nice practicing today on the top line with Matthews and Marner. At least have a great schedule this week. If you listen to or watch the waiver wire episode that we did earlier this weekend, this past weekend here, then you'll know that for sure. And I did say, actually, I think I said exactly the words that if Matthew Nyes, uh, we find out that he's practicing on the top line with Matthews and Marner, he would be my top leaf streamer of the week. And so here you have it, folks, Matthew Nyes uh, practicing line one. I would prefer him to both Tyler Bertuzzi and to Max Domi, who are the other guys that a lot of people will be looking at this week. So there you have it. Uh, anything else there, Blake? Anything from the newsies that you'd like to add? Nope, none at all. I want to get the business here and talk about these first couple players I'm pretty excited about. All right. I don't know why you'd be excited about Elias Pettersson or about Quinn Hughes, but they do lead us off here with our Hot Shots segment. Elias Pettersson has been doing uh, pretty okay for himself the last little bit. Four goals, 10 points in his last five games. Quinn Hughes, three goals, 10 points his last five games. So, uh, yeah, they're both doing pretty okay. Pettersson pacing for 149 points on the season. He's definitely going to hit that. No hiccups whatsoever. Hughes is pacing for 119, so he's not far behind either. Talk to me about what you're seeing here, Blake. How sustainable do we think this is? Obviously, I was a little low on Pedersen, especially coming into the season. We had some good back and forth on that. I raised my projection on him a little bit, uh, but definitely not to the heights that you had him at. So if you need uh, if you need a chance to take a little early season victory lap, you can do so here. No, you know, I won't do that because it's called homerism, Nate. All right. And I'm guilty, <laughs> baby, but uh, that's fine. Also, you know what it is? 
It's the big koozie effect. Oh, right there. <laughs> big koozie shoots over 20%. Uh, and then now the Canucks are just going off with their efficiency, right? It, it, it makes sense. It correlates, right, Nate? Um, no. All right. That's fine. Um, but Vancouver is a team. Obviously, they're blasting through their ceiling with uh, just unreal conversion and efficiency, right? There, I, I was uh, deep diving in a little bit. And the Canucks are the fourth lowest uh, Corsi 4 per 60 at five on five. That is not very good. They're not generating very much, uh, you know, pucks at the net, but they have the best shooting percentage in the entire league at five on five and uh, at all strengths, right? So they're just converting at a really high rate. So we have to take that into account, right? Like this is going to drop off. It's going to drop off, right? But we have seen crazier things. I think if you think about uh, Seattle last season, right? And what they were able to do at even strength, just their their conversion was stupid, right? And now look at them this year. Their their shooting percentage is in the toilet, right? So I don't know. I, Canucks maybe can keep up a high level of efficiency. I don't think it's going to be this level, but you know, whatever. Um, but in terms of Pedersen, bang, he is him. Uh, this is they're both him. It's crazy. Um, you know, this guy's on another level right now. So um, you know, interesting thing about Pedersen, he's shooting a little bit less, especially at five on five, and mm. and he's shooting a little more on the power play. These numbers to me look like there's a bit of regression that can come around it, and, and it probably will, right? Just, you know, all these players we talk about on hot shots here, you're going to see a trend, right? It's high IPP, high shooting percentage, high on-ice shooting percentage, right? These guys are all flying in those metrics, right? But I'm watching these games, and the team around Pedersen, it, they, they're better. They actually are better. They're playing with some swagger, right? Um, I think, and, and Demko as well is huge for both these players, because he's really given them a chance to win every night. And as you know, just playing hockey in general, when your goalie's on one, he's playing out of his mind, it, it, you cheat a little bit, right? You're, you're, you feel more comfortable being creative, making plays, right? Making dangerous plays that you might not normally do, right? But anyways, um, Pedersen's going to regress. But I think Pedersen and Hughes, I don't think the regression is going to be super crazy. Like um, Pedersen, I, I liked what he was able to do last season. Like he's a high IPP guy, right? He drives a lot of offense. So I think, you know, it's it's really high right now, but that's going to drop down. But I don't think the drop down is going to be too crazy. To me, Queen Hughes is the one that's really kind of done something remarkable, right? He, he's he's doubled his shots on goal per 60. That's that's really interesting, right? Um, you know, it, it does. And the weird thing is it doesn't feel unsustainable to me. It just seems like he's a guy that made a conscious decision to kind of shoot the puck more, right? And that's what he's doing. Um, he just looks like a player that's kind of taken the next step there and he's driving everything out there as evidenced by his IPP, right? I think it's, what is it, 62% on the season? Like that's that's elite for a defenseman, right? But I think it's sustainable when you have the, you know, you're kind of have the caliber that Quinn Hughes does. So I don't know right now. Is he the best D-man in the league, Nate? I don't know. Uh, if you're going by terms of fantasy, it's a little bit better of a <laughs> of a case to make. Overall, I think there's still better two-way defensemen in the league. Um, but definitely both these guys, absolutely about as hot as you can get. It didn't hurt that they had the uh, 10-goal game against the San Jose Sharks to kind of boost oh. some of these numbers. That definitely helped for sure. Uh, just... Looking a little deeper on the season, you've got Elias Pettersson with a 19.7% on-ice shooting percentage. That's probably at least 5% too high uh, for what he's going to see on the season. So you can knock it down appropriately and still be very excited about the total that you might see out of Pettersson on the season. It is a little bit concerning to me. Like the individual scoring chances for per 60 for Pedersen on the season 339th yeah it's just really not what I expected from Pedersen 
Uh, part of that might just be that he's been so efficient that he hasn't had to, you know, generate quite as much and they've been up big in some games and, um, you take your foot off the gas a little bit and some of those things. So, um, even still like 339th, you got to leapfrog a lot of guys to get up to where you expect a guy like Pedersen to be. I think he will get there eventually, but, um, if he doesn't up that soon, then you could see the regression bat swing back, uh, pretty hard on him in the near future. So, um, that's just something I'm monitoring. If there is some sort of sell high with Pedersen, I would explore that at this moment. Same with Hughes. Um, I, it just, if anyone like truly believes like this is what these guys are now. Um, I don't know if that's the case anywhere. Maybe you can sell them to a guy like Blake in your league, who's an unabashed Vancouver Canucks homer. I, uh, I don't take sell highs, Nate. I only do buy lows. All right. And then they fair. stay low for the entire season. And that's what happens. So that's fine. <laughs> Uh, but the one thing with Hughes that I will say is like all of his underlying metrics look terrific on the season seventh amongst all defensemen and shots for 67th in individual scoring chances for per 60 14th in Corsi four per 60 12th in scoring chances for per 60 skating almost 24 minutes a night. The IPP is high. The on ice shooting percentage is high. Those will regress. Uh, but even still at the, when all is said and done, Quinn Hughes is shaping up for probably another 70 plus point season, but with more goals this year, which is going to crucially increase more goals and more shots, which is going to increase his value in a lot of different leagues. So uh, love to see that out of Hughes. I'm much more bullish on Hughes ability to sustain a higher level of play than we've seen from him before than I am for Pedersen personally. All right. Let's keep rolling. We got to talk about Quinton Byfield, who has eight points in his last five games, kind of out of nowhere. Only one of those is a goal, so for whatever that's worth to you. And he's averaging just under 14 minutes a night in these last five games, which is a bizarre number for someone who's scoring this much. But 203rd in shots per 60, that's not great. But 48th in individual scoring chances for per 60. So the chances have been there, just the actual shots on goal haven't been there for the last five games here. On ice numbers are where it really starts to pop for Byfield, though. 19th in Corsi 4 per 60 and 7th in scoring chances 4 per 60 in this stretch. Obviously, to get to these big numbers the last little bit, you're going to see some pretty high numbers, 20.4% on ice shooting percentage in these last five games. That's going to come down, but even still, like... Um, what you like to see is a guy who's producing at a high clip, producing at a clip that's high enough that you might think that it pushes the coach to deploy him even more. In LA, they do split up, especially their top three lines, and play them fairly evenly at even strength. But like, what is Pierre-Luc Dubois doing on power play one that Quentin Byfield couldn't do at this point? I'm not sure I have the answer for that. If Byfield is hot and Dubois is cold, who's to say that they don't actually go ahead and make that switch? Uh, I looked into the underlying numbers a little more because I was really curious. I actually did end up picking up Byfields in Kakuffle, actually. Uh, today, my matchup was too far gone for me to come back with the amount of players that I had going today versus my opponent. So I decided to go ahead and pick up somebody for this upcoming week. Uh, saw that LA schedule fit with my team and that I could get Byfield in for all three games this week. And so I decided that I really had to dig in on Byfield and decide if I was in or out on him. I wouldn't say that I'm like completely sold be simply because of the time on ice here, right? Like it can continue indefinitely at this point and that wouldn't surprise me given the way that LA deploys their people. But I also kind of feel like this is the kind of player you might want to take a swing on. Former uh, 
very high draft pedigree player. I believe he was second overall in his draft year. He went yeah. uh, right behind Alexis Lafreniere. <laughs> and I wonder if the Rangers would like to have a do-over on that one. But regardless, I think that this is the kind of swing you want to take uh, is a guy with a big pedigree, just 21 years old. He's been playing in the league for a while, playing on the top line with Kopitar and Kempe, has been for a while, gaining some trust there. You know, all the signs are pointed in the right direction at this moment for him. And so that's the kind of swing I want to take. And, you know, in a best case scenario, he breaks in in a big way. He does get power play one. And now you've got a guy for the rest of the season who might be like the waiver wire guy of the season, right? That's your best case scenario. And so I'm just willing to be a little bit more bullish on guys like that and take those swings when they present themselves. So that's my piece on Byfield. I'll kick it over to you, Blake. Anything more to add on him? Yeah, I don't have a ton, but obviously I love the even strength deployment there with Kopitar and Kempe. I mean, that's a big reason why, you know, some of his on ice numbers are, are so good. He's playing with like really good players, right? Kempe generates a lot of chances, right? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this I, I like what you had to say there. Like, this is a guy you just, you just want to be aware of, right? And yeah, you can pick him up. I think especially while he's on a heater like this, picking him up makes total sense, right? Ellie has three games next week with one off night, so you know, I, I don't know. You, you can pick up this player. It's, it's kind of a stash to me, Quentin Byfield. Like it seems exactly like you said, like this is a player that's kind of bubbling under the surface. Right. But he, I still think he needs, he needs a few things to happen before I'm truly interested in this player. Right. And um, if he had more shots on goal per 60, I think I'd be more in on Byfield, even with this time uh, that he's playing, but I'd, I'd almost rather have Arthur Kaliev um, on LA than Quentin Byfield at this point, obviously Quentin Byfield is performing right now and that's great. Um, but yeah, to, to me, this is, this is more of a player that if things break, right, like you said, could be like an amazing waiver wire pickup, but he's just not getting near enough ice time currently right now. Uh, 14, he's averaging 1451, right? Uh, like you said, on ice numbers are great, but you know, and he's been getting some nice run too on the second power play there in LA. They do, they, they kind of split it up a little bit. It's like a 60, 40 or a 55, 45 situation there. And then on the second power play, you got guys like Trevor Moore that are popping off, you know, Philip Deneau is, is awesome as well. And then Kaliev as well. So yeah, I, I'm just watching this player a little bit more, but I'm really happy to see the production. And you know, if his ice time starts training upwards, he's an auto ad for me. Um, but yeah, his, his, I was just looking at his regular numbers here is his career high in goals is five, five mm -hmm. goals in 40 games, three goals in 53 last year. Right. And that's in limited minutes. Right. And he's still limited in his minutes, but he has two, he's, he's only four goals away from a career high. So, um, <laughs> I do like the player. And like I said, he's really young. This is going to be a good player moving forward. That's for sure. Yeah. Just to give some context, uh, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other players picked up in my Kakuffle Tier 3 division today before I picked up Byfield. Those players range from Cam um, Fowler, Kirill Marchenko, who I actually really like, down to Nico Mikola and Matt Tompkins. So there were there was not a consensus that Byfield was a must-add <laughs> amongst some pretty high-tier players in Tier 3 uh, Kakuffle. So... Uh, fair enough, and definitely it's not a player that I'm like banking on by any stretch, but I think that the upside is enough here, especially if he were to hit that power play one, that in a week where I can get all three games out of him and where he's clearly feeling it already, and the underlying numbers are actually quite good outside of just the actual shots on goal, right. I'm willing to take that swing and find out for this week. 
All right, let's keep rolling. I want to talk for a second about Ryan O'Reilly. I've had some people asking me if he's a must-roster at this point, things of that nature. I really don't think he is, to be honest. He does have five goals, seven points in his last five games here, averaging almost 21 minutes a night. So that is obviously really great. My problem with O'Reilly is the same old problem we've always had with O'Reilly. He doesn't shoot. Uh, his on-ice numbers are not really that good either. 202nd in Corsi 4 per 60, 174th in scoring chances 4 per 60. He's been riding some really high percentages to get to the point where he's at this season at a point per game. He's got a 73% IPP, 30% shooting percentage. Uh, I just don't think that this is who O'Reilly is for the rest of the season, and I'm still betting that at, when the smoke <laughs> clears and all is said and done at the end of the season you're probably looking at a guy who uh, paced out for 60 points ish from this point onward for the rest of the season how about you Blake yeah that all tracks uh, for sure and keep in mind that this comes this scoring that he's done in the last five games here which is what yeah seven points in the last five games that included a Hattie a Ryan O'Reilly Hattie a rare Ryan O'Reilly Hattie <laughs> I love that so um, you know, and he had an assist in that game too. So I love that he's playing with Philip Forsberg because I know you're high on Philip Forsberg and I'm super high on Philip Forsberg. I've got him in a lot of spots and I just love what I see from that player. So yeah, that's obviously helping him here. And he's been looking pretty good on the power play too. Um, you know, he had five power play points all of last season and he has five already. Uh, so he's landed in a good spot there in Nashville, but yeah, it, it's, to me, like shots on goal per 60, individual Corsi 4 per 60 at 5 on 5, they're career low numbers right now. That's that's what he's doing. And his, uh, you know, his luck metrics, IPP and shooting percentage, they are skyrocketing. All right. So that goes for the power play as well. He's smashing previous numbers. So to me, that means regression. And, you know, there's there's different levels of regression. Like we talked about Pedersen and Hughes where, yeah, they're going to regress, but it's going to regress to a level that's still elite right it makes a difference but you know whereas a guy like ryan o'reilly when it regresses it's going to fall off a cliff this guy could go like 12 games without a point uh, pretty easily right i remember what he looked like last year just lumbering out this guy's like frankenstein to me you know the, when he was skating with the leafs last year so <laughs> um I, you know i got some love for ryan o'reilly I, I i'm happy that he landed on his feet here and landed on a good in, in a good spot he's number one center number one power play there with nashville and they're kind of upstart to me i, I i'm low-key interested in, in some players on nashville this year but yeah ryan o'reilly's not a must roster but you know nashville has a good streaming you want to pick him up he's only 31 percent uh on yahoo so that's a little surprising too yep i don't think i got much more to say there i do want to say some things about you know niederreiter though also <laughs> has five goals and seven points in his last five games averaging just over 15 minutes a game 14th in shots per 60, 18th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. Really good numbers there. 31st in Corsi, 4 per 60, and 63rd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Uh, he's got 9 points in 11 games on the season now. 40th in shots per 60 on the season. 82% IPP on the season really stands out as the most unsustainable part of that profile overall. The thing with Niederreiter, um, this is a guy that I used to get excited about every so often because he would have these weeks where his underlying numbers just absolutely jump off the page. I'm like, all right, he's doing the thing, and now he's going to do it forever. And then two weeks later, it's all evaporated. It's gone away. He's been moved down the lineup, and you wonder where it went, and he just goes ice cold for like a month. Um and it's just happened so many times at this point that I just don't think that Niederreiter is a guy who is consistent enough, basically, to ever give us this kind of high-level output for any kind of sustained period of time. So, 
you can grab him when he's hot, when he's getting hot, when the numbers peak, and try to stay in the flames for a little bit. But I, I really don't consider Nino Niederreiter anything more than a stream when his schedule is good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you ever see the movie Three Amigos, Nate? This is probably before your time. Three Amigos, Chevy before. Chase. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh God, oh, this is uh, that's <laughs> fine. Well, uh, for all you youngsters out there, all right, there's a movie called Three Amigos. Uh, Martin Short plays his character Ned Niederlander. So yeah, that's what I call Nino Niederreiter. Ned Niederlander. <laughs> it's Ned Niederlander. Anyways, that's a long, uh, you know, description of my joke, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this guy Nino, um, he's an amazing third liner, right? That that third line in Winnipeg, they're they're doing so well. Like that's Mason Appleton, who's been playing really well. Adam Lowry, they all kind of profile the same way points wise, right? But Nino is the guy that we're interested in if we're going to go with someone on that line because of the underlying metrics there, right? But yeah, this guy's a streamer at best, right? Like you said, uh, I rostered him a, a bunch of times, like especially after the trade deadline. I actually picked him up and held him in a couple spots, and and I was happy with the return, right? Um, he's you know. This guy's a beef dip. He's a little bit of a beef dip, right? He does that. He, he bangs. He blocks like reasonably for a forward. So valuable player, but I don't know. I'm never, ever going to get excited about third line guys, second power play. I'm just not, you know, with like with 14 minutes average ice time or whatever it is, it's, it's just you're kind of chasing performances at that point. You know, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather look for these situations like Marco Rossi or potentially Matthew Nyes, like how like. What's Matthew Nye's ice time going to be like? Uh, it, you know, it's probably not going to go up because he's not going to crack the power play there. But, you know, could get could get a little bit of run there. I don't know. But I'd rather kind of take a swing on a player like that than – or even Quentin Byfield. I'd rather have Quentin Byfield because he has access to the first line rather than Nino Niederreiter who has better numbers, right? It's mm-hmm. just – yeah, I don't know. That's that's me. I, I don't stream that way. But I don't know. Do you find yourself picking up these third-line, second power play kind of guys on a regular basis? Not on a regular basis, no. Occasionally in a deeper format, I might grab somebody who's hot, uh, who has a great schedule, but that's about it. Uh, It's definitely not somebody that I tend to target for sure. All right, let's keep rolling. I want to talk about a couple of defensemen and kind of do a little compare and contrast. Both of them have four points in their last five games. Mackenzie Wieger and Jacob Chikrin. So Wegar has one goal, four points. Chikrin has two goals, four points. Wegar's skating about 22, and I'm going <laughs> to have to eyeball this because I got it in decimal format here, but it's oh about 22, God. 20, something in that range. And then we got Jacob Chikrin, who's just over 26 minutes a game right now, especially, obviously, with Shabbat out. Chikrin handling a lot of load, especially at even strength. Now, Wegar has been crushing it in shots uh until last game so prior to last game he had five shots three shots three shots three shots eight shots and then posted zero shots in a 6-3 win against seattle so go figure that one out uh i can't make heads or tails of that chikrin doing pretty well for himself in that category as well 22nd in shots per 60 despite skating obviously a ton of minutes 26 plus so he's doing well in that category on ice numbers give a little bit of an edge to Chikrin there, 62nd in Corsi 4 per 60, 47th in scoring chances 4 per 60, where you got Wegar at 43rd in Corsi 4, but 108th in scoring chances 4. So we've got Wegar now on the top power play in Calgary that did last through the last game. Obviously, we'll see if it continues to last beyond that. They didn't score with Wegar on the ice there, so it wasn't like there was some. Uh, 
some great development from that game and it seems like it'll be something that sticks necessarily but it could for some time and obviously anybody getting top power play is of note especially somebody who bangs as much as Uyghur does he definitely does that uh, so between these two give me your own little compare and contrast who are you most excited about in the short term here I think both of us would agree that Chikrin is the guy long term we want but if you had to just pick a guy assume games played equal everything for this week if you had to handicap it how would you say for this week in particular Blake um what's that's a good question what's the schedule uh calgary three and one ottawa three and one okay so same exact schedule yeah i gotta take chikrin every time there it's not even just like obviously long term i'm taking chikrin but i, I don't trust this deployment with Uyghur, and i don't trust the shots right mm-hmm. uh you know he hurt us bad last year you heard our feelings mckenzie Uyghur. i had him <laughs> in a couple spots nate knows what i'm talking about um i'm glad to see him getting that deployment but um you know even in a bubble, let's say they're both getting opportunities. So yeah, Uyghurs on the top power play there in Calgary. Let's say that sticks. I'd still rather take Jacob Chikrin because Shabbat is out, right? So yeah, Jake Sanderson's getting the run there, but Chikrin doesn't need power play one to be, to, to pop off, right? He's proven that. Um, and he's, he's going off this year. I think there's way more like goals in the realm of possibilities for Chikrin in his position now than there is for Uyghur ever. So um, when I will always go for a defenseman that has a better chance at getting goals rather than, you know, I mean, not always, but yeah, these two for sure. Yeah, Jacob Chikrin, like there's mega opportunity there. Like if you look at some of these game logs, like the last four games for Chikrin with Shabbat out, 28 minutes, 27 minutes, 29 minutes, 27 minutes. Like that's insane, right? And you go over to Uyghur and it's, yeah, it's 22, 22, 22, 24. So Chikrin's out on the ice more. He's putting more pucks towards the net. His metrics are better. I, I just, I'm always going to go with chicken, but I am happy that Uyghur, it, it seems like he's in the coach's good books. Like this new coach, he's, he's prioritizing Uyghur a little bit and, and putting him on the power play when Anderson is back. I, I like that. Right. And that could mm-hmm. stick. So I'm happy for the player. He also bangs, right. He, he hits and blocks really well. So yeah, the, I mean, in a category league, it's, it's a little closer. I'm still going chicken, but yeah, I don't know. What about you, Nate? Yeah, for this week up ahead, I still would take Chikrin. I'm just going to go with the guy who has consistently shown tremendous offensive upside. Um, I'm just going to continue to bet on talent in most of those cases, um, even outside of uh, Uyghur having better deployment at the moment. Um, I just think that overall the situation in Ottawa lends itself to a lot more offense as well. He's playing a ridiculous amount of minutes. He's just going to find his way into points, I feel, a lot more often. Okay, we got to keep pushing. There's a few more guys that I really do want to talk about. The first one's JJ Paterka. Three goals, six points his last five games. Really starting to pop uh, over there in Buffalo. And a team in Buffalo that really needs some secondary scoring. They've been getting it a little bit more with Casey Middlestat and now JJ Paterka emerging a little bit. Paterka averaging just under 15 and a half minutes in this five-game stretch stretch 65th in shots per 60 124th in individual scoring chances four per 60 on ice numbers not really that great 179th in Corsi four per 60 193rd in scoring chances four per 60 is there anything here Blake and what would it really take uh, obviously it'd have to be a little bit of a deeper league or Buffalo would have to have a pretty great schedule for you to get interested in a guy who's not on the power play one there in Buffalo but Paterka is showing something a little bit here it seems like this is a little bit of a leap maybe from last year where he's at do you think that this is a player who has a chance to continue to ascend and to work his way into our collective conscience as a fantasy hockey community 
Well, he's got a pretty sweet name. His name's John Jason Paterka. Oh, yeah, I like that. Two first names. That's that's nice. Um, you know, yeah, we got to take uh, take notice of this player. He's putting up some low-key decent metrics, too, on the season, right, as you mentioned. Um, and he's third on the team behind Tage and uh, Jeff Skinner in shots of goal per 60 at 5-on-5. Five five. That's pretty nice with a 9.5-er. So he's, he's approaching that 10.0 threshold we like to see here. But again, deployment's still an issue to me, right? I mean, he's right in the wheelhouse of some of these players we've talked about, right? Um, but I think he's definitely viable as a streamer, no question there, when Buffalo has a good schedule. And if there's some injuries and this guy's moved up the lineup, now we're cooking, right? Like this, this mm -hmm. is a guy that can do something, and he's showing that right now. He just needs that deployment and the opportunity. Um, I love that Casey Middlestat. Like I think actually Casey Middlestat has turned a little bit of a corner this season. He looks more confident out there. He's getting deployed a little bit better. He's getting more ice time. Um, yeah, he still doesn't put up the metrics that we like here, Nate. But um, I think J.J. Paterka – uh, compliments Casey Mills that well. And then you throw Jeff Skinner on that line, who's actually playing really well this season. Um, I think that's why we're seeing some, some uptick in Paterka's numbers, but yeah, I mean, IPP and shooting percentage for this guy still high on the season. You know, it's the, it's the usual stuff. Like that's probably going to regress a little bit, but definitely if they have a good schedule, I'm interested. And I think this is, they have just an amazing stable there in Buffalo. Like this is not even a guy you talk about, right? You talk about Benson, you talk about Middlestad, you talk about uh, all the all the other guys, Power and Darlene and Tage and everyone. But yeah, this guy's good too, right? Cousins, that their team is insane. Like just get a good defensive structure, get some good goaltending, and we could be looking at a real wagon here. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Mason Merchant is another one that I really want to get into for a second. Two goals, four points in his last five games, uh, just about 13 and a half minutes uh, time on ice. The reason that I want to bring him up is because he really is popping right now. 28 shots per 60, fourth individual scoring chances, four per 60 over the last five games. Also fourth in on ice scoring chances, four per 60 in these last five games and so i've had some people who know that i'm looking at these numbers and are looking at these numbers themselves which is the right thing to do yep. and they're asking me about mason marchman they're like should i be on this guy and i think it's a really kind of important case study to think about this because this is the case where i've i've said this before but uh for me it's for fantasy hockey you're talking about two things coming together you're talking about talent coming together with opportunity and what does that multiplication look like? In Mason Marchment's case, I really don't see how this coaching staff in particular is going to elevate him to a point where he's going to be fantasy relevant. He can have terrific underlying numbers uh, all season long, and his actual production will still be muted, in my opinion, just because of the deployment. I, yeah, like... Take a look for yourself at the Dallas lineup. Like, how many people have to get injured before Mason Marchment is actually getting onto a power play one situation or getting onto a line that's going to receive significantly more even strength time on ice? And that makes him actually into the like at least like 16 ish average time on ice uh, where we start to get a little bit interested. So, that's my case with Marchment. It is a guy that you know, I'm noting this, I'm definitely noting the fact that he's putting up these numbers and these numbers are really good but it's not a guy that i'm rushing out to add dallas has a nice schedule this week i could have picked up marchman and i did pick up byfield um just for one example of uh, why i'm thinking the way i'm thinking about some things so that's my take on marchman uh 
some other people may not have the same take, right? Like if your take is that Marchman is playing so well that he's definitely impressing the coach and he's going to get moved up the lineup, I would say that's probably more realistic for Paterka, who actually got over 18 minutes in his last game. Um, I just don't see that with Marchment personally. I've never seen that um, with the coaching staff there in Dallas um, over the last little bit. Like, I I just think that this is a case where he would have to play so insanely well for so long for him to even crack the second line there. And I just don't think that that's a likely scenario or one we should be chasing for fantasy. So monitor the player, but I'm not really chasing the, the uh, little bit of production here or the underlying stats. Yep. Absolutely agree. I don't have much to add there. Um, just an interesting fact, all four of his points this season have come in the last five games as well. So, um, but his deployment still stinks. Right. Um, and then, and then the last three games, he's had under a minute of power play time on ice. Right. So this guy's, a, he's a, he's a reasonable streamer this week. If you wanted to stream him in and like if the cupboards are bare, this guy's he, he can do stuff. Right. But it's deep league stuff. Uh, Mason Marchment. It, it's interesting because Marchment, JJ Paterka and Quentin Byfield to me, they're all kind of in the same tier. I mean, they, they're obviously, obviously Quentin Byfield to me is, the, is, is kind of the premier one there. And, you know, maybe Paterka, I don't even know where I'm at with that, but you know, um, they're, they're all kind of in the same window. I think, um, guys that need something else to happen for them to really pop off, but they're putting up some decent metrics. Right. And I love to see these metrics from Marchman, but it doesn't mean a damn thing if he's not on the ice, right? 11 minutes, 30 seconds in his last game. That show ain't no good. Those are fourth line numbers. So, you know, thank you know, it's it Mikey Isomont. That's the player I like. Give that man some time. That's gonna be my new boon Jenner this year. Mikey Isomont, book it. All right. <laughs> I'm I'm starting a fan club for that man. Uh, he's actually I don't know where I'm digressing there. All right. Well, one more player and then we'll get off of the hot shots. But Riley Smith has seven points in his last five games, including four goals. Now, four of those points did come against the San Jose Sharks in the 10-2 drubbing here on Saturday. So take that for what it's worth. He's not averaging a ton of ice time of late, just under 60 in minutes. The underlying metrics don't look that great. 175th in shots per 60, 161st in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. But the on-ice numbers are pretty solid. Uh, 86th in Corsi 4 per 60 and 27th in scoring chances 4 per 60. That's largely due to the fact that he's right now on the top power play unit there in Pittsburgh. And kind of as long as he's there, I'm fairly interested in him. But overall, I don't think Riley Smith has really shown uh, enough this season for me to think that like, oh yeah, I gotta definitely hang on to this guy. As long as he's on the top power play, I'm interested. I'm willing to roster him. He's 54% rostered in Yahoo. So he's most likely gone in your league. But uh, if he's not, you can look at him as long as he's in this deployment. But there's nothing there that's really suggesting to me that uh, Riley Smith has broken out to a new level or he's got such terrific chemistry in the new spot that uh, we should be expecting this to really continue. Yeah, exactly. This guy's running hot right now. Um, it's an interesting point, actually, with there's three players in Pittsburgh that kind of are similar to me. It's Riley Smith. It's Ricard Raquel. Raquel! Raquel! And it's uh, Brian Rust. So those three guys, they're all kind of similar to me. They're all getting top six deployment, and one of them is getting power play one. So to me, I would like to roster the player that is getting the power play one deployment, and currently that's Riley Smith, right? So I think you just got to kind of keep an eye on that because they have been switching it up throughout the season. Like Raquel started out the season on power play one. Um, then, you know, they moved uh, Brian Rust up there, and now it's Riley Smith, right? And now they just pumped San Jose. Boy, what is happening in San Jose? I mean, we don't want to go too long on that, but I've never seen anything like that in my life. Two 
uh, 10 goal losses. Damn. That's crazy. What, what, what is this team doing? Yeah, it's not great there in San Jose. Um, I mean, they're tanking is what they're doing. They're doing a better job than anybody other yeah. ever has. So hand that to them, I guess. All right, before we get into the have-nots, I do have to take a quick second, plug the Discord, click the link in the show description, join the Apples and Genos Discord server. You can come talk fantasy hockey with us anytime, any day. You can also check out the Apples and Geos Patreon if you need some extra advice. I give out guaranteed replies to all questions in the patron-only channels and Discord. So if you need that, check out the Apples and Geos Patreon. While you're here, if you could like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're listening, throw us a review, a rating over on the podcast app of your choice. We're started, we've are uh, we successfully, I think, fomented a war between the Apple Podcast listeners and the Spotify listeners, uh, Spotify is cleaning up. So Apple Podcasts people uh, get in there and get those ratings up and we'll uh, continue to monitor the progress moving forward. But that all said, let's go straight into the have nots here. I think that we got to start this off once again with Barrett Hayton, who still has zero points on the season through 11 games. Just tremendously terrible stuff from Barrett Hayton. Mm -hmm. I said this earlier in the week, but the underlying stats have really worn off uh, in the last little bit. And so that's got me totally out on Barrett Hayton. I do think that there's a chance that they try messing with the lines at some point. I mean, Keller and Schmaltz have been fine without him, but at this point, he's a little bit of dead weight, it feels like. So got to wonder if they couldn't change something up there. Uh, I think everybody knows at this point, we're not touching Hayton until we see some signs of life. The other guy who was in the same category until tonight was Dawson Mercer, but he had a goal tonight. So he hey. got his first point in 11 games. Um kind of playing some more minutes there obviously with jack hughes and nico he out of the lineup in new jersey um the underlying metrics still terrible for dawson yeah. mercer i'm not excited uh whatsoever but he is getting 18 plus minutes a night um uh, maybe this sparks something for him but i'm gonna at this point in the season i think you need to see it for a few games so i'll kick it to you blake how many games do you need to really see something from these two guys before you're interested in picking them up now uh i think i'm done I think I'm actually done. Um, Barrett Hayton, I, I would take Hayton over Mercer for sure. Um, even though, yeah, Mercer did get off the schneid tonight, so i like to see that. But yeah, um, as long as Hayton's getting this deployment, I, you know, the metrics were there at the beginning and they've kind of fallen off a cliff. So the deployment is still there though. And it's it's a decent team. So, it, you know, if I had to pick one, I'd pick Hayton. But, um, you know, Mercer, the Devils have a crap schedule this week, so he's a drop. He's an easy drop, and I think you have to drop Hayton at this point. There's no reason to hold this guy through, you know, a garbage week, like expecting the best. Like drop him and then keep him on your watch list because this could be a valuable player. Um, but I just he's garbage right now. He's just ice cold. So you know we're not going to hold the player while he's trying to figure things out. But yeah, if I had to choose, I'd choose Hayton. But I think I'm done. Fair enough. All right. Well. It's Check over on a couple of defensemen here then. A couple of big-name defensemen who haven't been performing as expected. Miro Heiskanen has just one assist in his last five games. And Dougie Hamilton got an assist tonight, and that kicks him up to one goal and one assist for two points in his last five games. Prior to that, he was just the one goal in his previous five games. Um, talk to me about these two obviously stud defensemen drafted probably in the third round in most of your leagues this off season 
Uh, is there one of these guys that you're more worried about than the other? Is there one of these guys you'd consider trading away? Are you trying to acquire these guys at a deflated cost because of this uh, little slump here? What's the story with these two guys, Blake? Yeah, it's a great question. I think they're both buy lows. They're both huge buy lows. Um, I think it's weird to say because I was higher on Dougie Hamilton going into the season, but based on the way he's being deployed there in New Jersey, I don't like it. Like, I love the metrics. They're great. And, he, you know, he's like a Jacob Chikrin, too. He doesn't exactly need power play one to really pop all the way. But I hate that. <laughs> you know, like, he's getting – it's it's like, yeah, he's getting the 75-25% treatment. He's getting 25% of the power play. It's it's just garbage. Um, it makes no sense. This is a 20-goal threat from the back end, and he's toiling away on power play, too, with Dawson Mercer. What the hell? God, don't do that to me. Um, but that's fine. Um, I think at this point I'm more interested in Miro. Because his deployment is strong, his opportunity is strong. This guy's power play one, that's not going anywhere, right? Dallas as a team hasn't been, you know, raging out of control, right? They're they're winning, they're 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 playing well, but their top guys have not been popping off, right? Jason Robertson, another buy low, right? Um, you know, they're they're getting it done with other guys like Jamie Ben and Wyatt Johnston, and you know, their goaltending is amazing. So I, I'm not like five points in 10 games, that's you know, not what we expected from Miro, but I, I see him turning this around. This guy's a horse and he's out there for huge minutes every night, right? Like, um, and power play one. So I think of the two, I take high school, but they're both by lows and I would kick tires on both. I think Dougie, uh, I don't see how they would keep him off power play one for the entire season. I, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Nate? Do you think he'll, he'll make his way back on a power play one there at some point? Yeah, I think there's a pretty strong chance that at some point Luke Hughes does give it up. Um, you know, at this point, maybe I'd call it 50-50 or somewhere in that range, 60-40 maybe, but um, definitely around 50-50. Uh, Hughes has been pretty solid the last little bit, obviously. Yep. Five assists his last five games, averaging just under 20 minutes a night. So he's been doing the thing just fine. But Dougie Hamilton's still outpacing him in points on the season, and Dougie Hamilton is just crushing those yep. underlying metrics. Uh, yeah, the shots per 60 second, the individual scoring chances for per 63rd, the on-ice scoring chances for per 69th. Like, everything is just top tier uh, i said in the off season when talking about dougie hamilton that he's a top five offensive defenseman in the league for me that's still true and yeah it's a terrific situation even if he is only getting you know 21 and a half minutes or whatever and not much of it on uh, the power play he's still good enough that it just doesn't matter uh, in that situation as well so right now he's pacing for 60 points on the season and that's with a 47 percent ipp 10 percent on ice shooting percentage like those numbers could even go up and i wouldn't be shocked um so yeah, I think 60 points is really safe for Dougie Hamilton. And so if anyone's really freaked out about him, you can definitely go get him. And I also agree on Heiskin. Heiskin's never been a goal scorer, really, but the on-ice numbers there still look really good. And I expect them to continue to look really good. And yeah, the underlying numbers suggest that he's got way more left in the tank uh, to give us this season. So definitely a, a buy low for me on both players if you can swing it. Let's go over to Seattle, talk about Jordan Eberle and Matty Beneers. I've had some people talk to me specifically about Beneers, but Eberle falls in the category as well. Beneers has one assist his last five games. Eberle, zero points his last five games. Um, these guys generally go together in a lot of senses. Both of them have just truly 
terrible underlying metrics. I'm not really going to get into it. The, I'll just say the best metric out of all the metrics that we talk about is for Eberly. He's 141st in shots per 60, and that's the best rank on any of these metrics that you'll hear us talk about. So things are not good for those quote-unquote top-line guys there in Seattle at the moment. And Beneers especially, just four assists in 12 games to start the season. Like He's getting a lot of minutes, but there is no production coming out of there. What's your take on the Seattle situation? Do you have any interest? Like, who are the Seattle players that you're actually uh, hanging on to at this point? I I don't have any Seattle anywhere. I mean, um, I've been looking at Jaden Schwartz a little bit just because he's been getting some some reasonable deployment. He has dual eligibility, center left wing, so I like that. But um, and obviously McCann. If you if you got McCann, you're you're holding on to him for sure. And Tolvanen can be good in Cats Leagues, but this is just a team I'm usually out on, right? Um, and like I said, they they were like last year's Canucks. They Their their Corsi 4 was, you know, kind of in the bottom half of the league, and they had the best shooting percentage in at 5-on-5 five five in the entire league, right? So they were just converting at a really efficient rate, and now that's fallen off a cliff. They're one of the worst, if not the worst, this season at 5-on-5 five five in terms of conversion. So... It's rough stuff. And a guy like Matty Beneers is, is a prime example of that. Like he scored 24 goals last year on 148 shots. That's 16%, right? You know, he's shooting less this season and he's, he's scoring zero. So th- this is a player I'm way out on. I mean, he's a good player for sure. I, don't get me wrong there, but I, I don't know what it is about Seattle, but I've said this before. I feel like they're playing money ball. You know what? They're like, okay, we need uh, 2.4 blocks. Okay, you get out there, Vince Dunn. You go do what you need to do. All right, Matty Beneers, we need 1.3 shots. Get out there. Um, I don't know. But I just am not excited about either of these players. And they're not Eberly. I don't think I've ever rostered Eberly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do, do you have any Seattle players, Nate? Like, is this a team? Actually, I, I want to say I like I do like Andre Burakovsky. Um, you know, when he comes back, I think he'll be solid. And Bjorkstrand as well is a player that I'm sort of interested in. But... I mean, again, it's the stream team over there in Seattle. Yep. Uh, I don't actually have anybody. I did have McCann like last year and he went higher than I was willing to go for him this year. Schwartz, I do have some love for. I'll pick him up when he's hot. He does have a tendency to do a little bit of the Nino Niederreiter thing himself and get extremely hot and go extremely cold. But uh, we'll pick up Schwartz. We'll pick up Bjorkstrand. Uh, Those kind of guys interest me a little bit. Um, But just to highlight what's happening in Seattle even more, the guy with the most average power play time on ice there is Vince Dunn, 2 minutes, 59 seconds. Nobody averaging 3 minutes or more. Uh, there in Seattle, and then you've got 10 players that are averaging more than 2 minutes and 12 seconds average time on ice on the power play there. So they're pretty much splitting this thing right down the middle, and Kyler Yamamoto is second in power play time on ice. As he should be. Uh, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think uh, Dave Haxtell looks down the lineup and he sees Alex Wenberg as the exact same player as Matty Beneers and yeah. he deploys them the same way. And um, yeah, unfortunately, that's just terrible for fantasy. Beneers is not doing himself any favors. Neither is Everly at the moment. Neither are a fair number of these players uh, there in Seattle. But I just want to highlight the situation. It's just so bad. You can't trust anyone. Guys will go hot. You can stream them for a week sure uh, but i'm not really doing more than that with anybody um, mccann maybe you hang on to uh, just because you've seen it a little bit more and seen him be a little bit more consistent than any of the others even with the reduced deployment but that's pretty much it for me um 
Let's keep rolling and talk about Kirill Kaprizov, who is definitely disappointing the people who drafted him highly. I was definitely high on Kaprizov. Like, I mean, let's put this in context. He's got 11 points in 11 games so far this season. <laughs> like, he's on pace for 82 points. That's not bad. Um, but it really feels like he's left so much on the table so far, and especially over the last five games, just one goal, one assist for two points in his last five games. In those last five games, though, averaging over 24 minutes a night, 39th in shots per 60, just 107th in individual scoring chances for per 60, not something we're used to seeing out of Kaprizov. 74th in Corsi for per 60, 47th in scoring chances for per 60. Now comes the this line shakeup where Marco Rossi goes to the top line and centers Kaprizov and Matt Boldy. I actually kind of love that. I think the yeah. offensive upside of those two players is the highest of anybody else on that roster. So put all the big guys together. That's what we want to see for fantasy purposes. Rossi's responded really well, but Kaprizov hasn't exactly taken off here. Um, I don't know how concerned people really are about Kaprizov. They're probably a little bit annoyed, but are they really concerned? I don't know. If they are, I'd be interested in buying low. How about you, Blake? Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, just just what you said. That like the good thing is this guy has eleven points in eleven games, but it feels like he has zero points in eleven games. You're yeah. Like, damn it, I drafted you like really high. Like you got to be doing more than this, but. He's, he's right in the wheelhouse. This man could still get 100 points. Easy. Easy. He just needs to start cooking here. But, like, if you look at his shooting percentage, just a simple shooting percentage year after year. First season, 17%. Next season, 16%. Season after that, 15%. This season, 6.5. All right? You think he's going to shoot 6.5% this season? Hell no. Uh, Cap is going to go buck wild here very soon. Um, and I, I am I'm with you. I'm a big fan of that move, putting Rossi up there. More so putting Boldy and Cap together and let's see what these two guys can do together. They still have, you know, uh, Joel Erickson Eck and the Zucchini man on the second line. No problem, right? And, of course, I bench Zuccarello uh, once I see that he's on the second line and he pops for two points uh, on my bench. So thank you, my man. I'll never do that again, all right? Um, but, yeah, I'm not concerned at all about Kaprasov. He's shooting more 4.2 shots on goal per game. That's the highest of his career right now in a limited sample size, right, 11 games. But the deployment, oh, my God. He had a 27-minute game, 27 and a half minutes, three games ago against New Jersey. That's obscene. So, um, you know, I'm all in on Kaprasov. If someone is feeling froggy, you you jump. You get over there and you, you kick tires on Kaprasov. You get him. Um, this guy's a mega by low, and I'm still a huge fan of the player. For sure. One of the players that I think you might actually be able to send off for Kaprizov, even though he's gone cold himself the last little bit, is Alex Dabrinkit. Just one assist in his last five games, averaging 18 and a half minutes. 31st in shots for 60 through that stretch, but just 233rd in individual scoring chances for per 60. So mm -hmm. it seems like he's just taking shots from further away. Still pacing for 96 points on the season, but has gone cold here. Uh, obviously, early in the season, we're just singing the praises of Dabrinkit and Larkin. Everything is going swimmingly. Then it all comes to a crashing halt here. What's the latest? How are you feeling about Dabrinkit at this moment? I know you've got some shares. Yeah. Um, you know what? I hate when a player does so well for me early on because then you hold on to him a little bit more. You're like, oh, he's going to do it again. You know what I mean? But, you know, I am on record on the Cream of the Crop podcast saying this man is a sell high and I've called him a sell high for two straight weeks. Right. Um, and now that window is kind of, you know, now he's he's almost a buy low, really. I mean, um, but I do. I like what you said there about, you know, trying to flip to Brinkett. I, I tried to 
get off him after, you know, when he was the league leading scorer, right. Uh, or goal scorer, I tried uh, to get Tage. I tried to get Ovechkin. Those were players I was targeting and no one, no one, uh, you know, I, I had no bites on the line. So that kind of sucked, but, um, you know, he still has a lot of value. Um, he, Detroit in general, we've talked about this, Nate, they haven't been playing amazing at five on five, but Debrinket himself has actually been doing okay. Right. He's been driving a lot of offense, shooting a lot. He's kind of the alone gun there, but, it's going to come back. He's getting reasonable deployment. Um, I was a little bit disappointed or am a little bit disappointed in his deployment so far this season. I thought it was going to be much higher. I thought it was going to be over 20 minutes, kind of like it was in his last season in Chicago. But he's he's only averaging 18 minutes and four seconds right now. Um, and I, that's the low end of where I'd want to see it, right? This is a really valuable player. Um, but good news is, you know, he got a he got an assist and he played just under 21 minutes in the last game. So he very well could go back on a heater. Um, this is a good player, but yeah, definitely some value. And I would to bring it for Kaprizov. Oh man, that is a fleecing. That's a straight mm -hmm. fleecing. The brink is not going to touch hundred points this year. Kaprizov could go over and above. So um, I might look at packaging to brink it with someone just to get Kaprizov, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Throw in like Travis Sanheim or something like that. Like get the hell out of my yep. sight. Yeah. And then you got Alex to brink it on here and you're or uh, Kaprizov and you're loving life. So um, anyways, this is a valuable player. He's, he's going to get back uh, going here, but 1.5 games kind of stinks. For sure. A uh, couple guys that I've compared and contrasted a few times before on this podcast that have gone silent. Shane Gossespierre, John Klingberg. So Gossespierre actually has the best deployment uh, of any Detroit defenseman right now. Mart Sider got bumped to the second power play unit and Lucas Raymond came up in his stead. So Shane Gossespierre, the sole defenseman on top power play in Detroit at the moment. But he has zero points in his last five games, averaging just over 19 minutes. And 143rd in shots per 60, but 36th in individual scoring chances for per 60, 59th in Corsi for per 60, 69th, which is pretty nice in scoring chances for per 60. Compare that with John Klingberg over in Toronto, just over 22 minutes. Uh, Toronto has some injuries on the back end, so Klingberg is part of the actual NHL caliber top four that the Leafs have currently, so he's getting a ton of minutes there. And, you know, the on-ice numbers look pretty solid. 30th in Corsi 4 and 41st in scoring chances for per 60. Obviously, on the Leafs' top power play, that'll do it for you. 112th in shots per 60, 177th in individual scoring chances for per 60. I've already talked about how I don't really like John Klingberg and never have, and I didn't like the signing, and I wanted Shane Goss to spare. But now that both of these guys have gone quiet, and one is getting more deployment than the other, uh, who would you take here, Blake? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I'm surprised with Shane Gossespierre's deployment at even strength, actually. Like, last game here, just looking at the game logs, like, he only played 15 minutes and 47 seconds, and that included over five minutes on the power play. So he's only playing 10 minutes and some, 10 minutes and change at even strength or penalty killing or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. That's, that's like giving me Kalen Addison vibes, right? That's, I, I just, I'm not into that. So, I, I like it better if Gossespierre is getting over 20 minutes, right? Even if it's just 20, right? That's that to me is more valuable. Like right now, I, I think you kind of like Klingberg's probably the guy that I would go with, but it doesn't feel good, right? Like I, I think Gossespierre is the better player. And if Gossespierre has 20 minutes the same way Klingberg's getting 20 minutes, it's Gossespierre every day of the week. But Klingberg's actually getting deployment. Um, you know, I they both don't shoot very much either. Like 1.1 shots on goal per game for Klingberg. Buddy, how? 
Why? Like just throw a puck on net. It's, 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 it seems so simple, but um, yeah, I think I'm taking Klingberg here, but it's, it's a short leash for both these players. Like Gostas bear. Again, I had with my Debrinket uh, as a sell high on the cream of the crop show. So um, yeah. And he fell off a cliff. Exactly. Just kind of what we thought might happen here. The deployment just went away. So um, I don't know. That does. It's a long winded answer to that. Doesn't even really answer. The answer is John Klingberg and I hate it. All right. It feels terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I will say with Shane Goss Despair, whenever you can play Jeff Petrie double the minutes of a Shane Goss Despair, you absolutely have to do that. Petrie's been scratched uh, multiple times for the Red Wings this year, but uh, apparently they really need to get him into the games and have him lead the team in even strength time on ice, which they did in the last game. So who knows what's going on in Detroit at the moment, but uh, yeah. I would still take Gossespierre, honestly. Uh, I think the power play in Detroit is legit. Um, the power play in Toronto is better, but I have no faith in Klingberg. They're running the power play without him, basically, at this point. It's not, he's not a factor. Their power play is running down low. He is there to mess up the the uh, <laughs> entry into the yeah. zone, and then they give it to Nylander, and he does some magic, or Matthews, or Marner, <laughs> or somebody, and then John Tavares puck protects for half an hour and they get it to the other guys and they score. So that's nice. how the Leafs are doing it right now. Um, I just, yeah, maybe it's uh, anti lease bias here from me on the podcast, but um, I, yeah, I can't stand Klingberg at the moment. And I think Shane Gossespierre is just naturally way more talented. Yep. So I'll just kind of bet on the talent and bet on the deployment to kind of even itself out a little bit there. That would be my take. The last player that I do think we need to talk about is Brent Burns, who has zero points in his last five games. And this has been going on for a little bit. Brent Burns just has four points on the season in 12 games. Now, he's still averaging about 22.5 minutes per night, and the underlying metrics are real nice. Fourth yeah. in shots per 60, 39th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, third in Corsi, 4 per 60, and 32nd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. So that all looks great. What do we make of Brent Burns uh, with the current situation, the fight between him and Tony D'Angelo for power play time? What's the what's your take on that, Blake? I I kind of feel the same way what you just said about Goss Bear. I think like this is something I definitely trust the metrics here with Brent Burns. Like he's a sh shot monster from the back end. Um, he should be on power play one. I don't know what the thinking is there um, with Tony D'Angelo. I mean, obviously Tony D is a pretty good power play quarterback in his own right, but um, yeah, I think Brent Burns could, this could be a Dougie Hamilton situation. He's just cold right now. Right. I, I think, you know, we trust the deployment, which he's getting reasonable deployment, averaging 22 minutes, uh, average time on ice. That's great. Um, he's shooting 2.8 shots per game. That's great. You know, um, he's not really hitting. That's a, that's a weird thing. I mean, I guess he's not a big hitter, but four hits in 12 games, not really doing anything there. I don't know. It's, it's, you know, he had 23 power play points last year. He's not going to touch that this year. If they keep him where he is, like he's got a 43% power play share. So, I don't know, but I do trust the metrics there. Brent Burns, like this is elite stuff, right? And he's getting 22 minutes average time on ice. So I think it's going to even itself out. We're probably looking at a player that, you know, ends up with maybe 50 points, right? 50, 55 points. And I'd be happy with that with Brent Burns. I didn't get him anywhere, but you didn't have to spend a lot of draft capital to pick up Brent Burns. Although it does suck because we thought he was going to get power play one this year. And Tony D came in and just put his collar up and just said, Hey buddy, get the hell out of my sight. And then he just booted Brent Burns to the curb. All right. But um, yeah, I don't know. I like Brent Burns. I He's a buy low to me as well. Yeah. 
I'm actually really into Rent Burns right now, and he might be the highest priority buy low that I have. Nice. There was a report from Friedman um, that Carolina is considering moving a defenseman. The name he's hearing a lot out there is Tony D'Angelo, but there are other things that the Hurricanes would potentially consider. So I think that that's a good trend overall, uh, even if the even if uh, they don't move D'Angelo, they move somebody else. Like just the fact that they're considering moving him tells me yep. that they think he's a little bit expendable. And why not when Burns is able to pump these kind of shot numbers even without that top power play? So I think there's a good chance Burns gets back to top power play even without that. I think he's got a much bigger ceiling than this. And you gotta believe after 12 games of this that his current manager is pretty sick of dealing with Brent Burns where they had to draft him. So I think Brent Burns is. Probably Probably the best guy you can go out and target who's actually going to be acquirable right now. Love it. All right, let's move over to move of the week before we get out of here. Blake, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I mean, this this next week when we talk about our move of the week, that's going to be some really fun stuff because there's some actual strategy involved. Again, this last week here was was very you know, black and white in terms of what you were doing. You're picking up a week-long streamer and hoping it sticks. And I picked up in my full bangers league, Jack McBain. <laughs> yeah, I got him. I got Jack McBain and I captured his four-point explosion. I don't. I feel like I'm like the only person in fantasy hockey to have streamed <laughs> in Jack McBain for a four-point game. And he had a fight. Oh, man. So I'm loving me some Jack McBain. I ended up keeping him for the week and he put up big numbers. So uh, just a useful player. And, you know, the, the thing I learned from this really just don't don't be afraid to go off the board. Right. Format depending. Um, there are guys like this around. Right. You know, guys that profile like Jack McBain, they all play for the Arizona Coyotes. Right. <laughs> you got true. Lawson Krause, that other beefer. And then, you know, Carcone. What the hell's going on with this man? So um, anyways, it's kind of a kind of a goofy move like uh you know, I told you I was a little ticked off at the beginning of the show here. Out of my six head-to-head matchups, I'm probably going to win two of them. I'm going to lose four. All right? So there's no moves of the week that I'm getting there, you know. But <laughs> Jack McBain helped me take take a dub. So thank you, Jack McBain, for your service. And that's a player I enjoy. <laughs> I Really, I couldn't tell. Um, I thought that you kind of hated his guts from all the things that you've said about him so far. But thanks for clarifying that for yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Just clear it up for you. Uh, for myself, uh, just a keeper league note. So I've talked about this league before, but there's a, we call ourselves experts league that I run uh, has a bunch of fantasy hockey um, content creators and other names from around the space. And basically this season, last season I went all in, I traded all my picks. I did everything I had to ended up winning a championship. So it worked happy about that this year. I knew it was going to be a struggle, not having any picks. And it has been a very, very big struggle to start the season, uh, to say the least. So, uh, I was looking at my week. I knew I wasn't going to win this week. Uh, Mark Barber, 18 skaters had a pretty sizable lead on me. And so I was like, all right, with the last ad here, I'm just going to look ahead to next week. So I picked up Anton Lindell, who you heard us talk about uh, with Florida's great streaming schedule for next week. I picked up Anton Lindell and I immediately tried to offer him with a pick swap for next year to all the top managers in my league. And I really think that this is something that you should be exploring. If you are in a situation where you're in a keeper league, you 
did the same thing as me, traded away a bunch of picks, and now you're looking at a season, or even if you didn't and your season just isn't going as planned, uh, maybe not this early in the season, unless you have uh, a really strong reason like I do to believe that your team might not be up to snuff. Um, I really think that's a really valuable thing to do is when you're in a position in a keeper league where you know you can't compete, to look for these little edges where you can pick up a streamer and try to figure out what that streamer is worth to a top manager. Maybe they're going up against the other top manager and it's going to be a really big fight. If you can see that coming, get into the schedule for the following week early, get that top streamer for next week, and then offer that player in a trade. That might be really worth uh, something. They don't have to waste an ad on that player. They get that player basically for free. All they have to give up is some next year draft capital and whoever they're going to drop anyway from their team. I just think that that's a slam dunk move. You have to find the right costing to get that done. I wasn't able to do that in this case. Um, so you got to find whatever somebody's willing to pay for that. Uh, but anything, honestly, is better than nothing when you're looking ahead to next year already. So keep that in mind as the season progresses and as you get into a spot where you might need to start thinking about next year in your keeper leagues. All right, Blake, the last thing we have to do here is to recap the head-to-head streamer deathmatch. And unfortunately, things did not go as planned uh, this week. Sean Couturier missed the last couple games of the week, so I had absolutely no chance to catch up against your Nick Schmaltz. I don't think it would have mattered in the end. Schmaltz had a couple goals and had a healthy lead already, but you did go to 3-0 and on the season in this head-to-head streamer death match. Is there anything you'd like to say for yourself? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's oh, all we got. That's all. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, what are you doing? All right. Come on. Give me my flowers. No, that's that's fine. When a guy gets injured, I don't want to win that way. I don't want to win that way. But uh, yeah, it's good. You know what we need to do? We need to actually come up with a prize, right? I think. Oh, we, now we you want to have a prize. Well, yeah, because I'm up three nothing. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have to be like you know. I'm talking about like an embroidered oven mitt or something like that. You know what I mean? Something valuable. All right. So. I think right. if you're if you're with it, I'm 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 posing that to you right now. We we get a prize going, we announce it next week, and then you know you're gonna have to pick up a game though, Nate. All right. Well, I will think on that, but that's all we've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. All the advanced stats you heard today came from Natural Statric, which is a terrific free resource. Many thanks to the band there there for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well. That's it, folks. Much love.